evening and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. This week we are doing the English Premier League Roundup. Um, sadly, we don't have Mason with us this evening, so yours truly, Jamie uh, Royals, will be hosting tonight. Um, I've got the other two uh, guests. I've got Graham Campbell and Colin. Graham, how's things? Yeah, good, mate. Thought, uh, thought I'd make my appearance because... Bournemouth got scudded. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that, that, that's definitely sticking with you until the end of the season. Now that one, um, Colin, how's uh, how's the revision on match of the day went? Uh, much better than my revision for the for, for the Rangers results. So this is a welcome to searching yet again. So <laughs> not good to be on. Good man, good man. Thank you. As I said, we don't have Mason with us this morning, so I'm going to host. And uh, what we'll do is want to keep it nice and simple and really just run through um, the most recent roundup of results. Um, there was a few games missing due to the FA Cup, but um, we'll fill the time up, obviously, with other things that have been going on. Um, and I don't think we can start anywhere else apart from uh, the Friday night game. There's not been too many Friday night games that can be, you know, be talked about in this context. But we had an absolute stomper with Arsenal 3 and Southampton 3. Um, bit of a bit of a turning point in the league, I would say. Graham, what do you think? Well, absolutely, but I guess the turning point started two weeks before when they mm-hmm. dropped their two goal lead at Anfield. They dropped their two goal lead at the the London Stadium. If you're a betting man, you've got to be all over uh, Arsenal games with the uh, drawing both teams to score right now, though, because uh, they're, they're great value to watch. And Friday was no different. It was one of those where I was, I've got to say, it look obviously as a neutral, but I was off my seat. It's one of those games where if you are a neutral, like everyone was wanting Arsenal to score um, for that turnaround, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it, was, it was a great watch and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Good way to start the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think. It all started with Ramsdale, wasn't it? With that terrible back that kick out that he did. There's something about these playing out from the back that's just not been working this season at all. Um, Colin, what was your thoughts on uh, Southampton? A little too late, or is there something going to happen on the back of this? That's why this was so dramatic, because what it could have meant for for both teams. Um, it was quite quite bizarre at the end when he, the reaction for both sets of players that both knew that wasn't enough. It could have been, and Southampton get the the three points there. They go up to twenty six points up within mm-hmm. touching distance, but three points behind Nottingham Forest, four points behind Everton, and nah, I, that's not enough. Um, even if they did get the get the win, it was always going to be an uphill battle, and I didn't fancy them, but. That's they are cemented. They're going down. I don't know if they'll be rock bottom, but they are going down. But that just like Graham said, what a game of football. End to end stuff was like a basketball game. Maybe fair, both teams went for it, but because what was on the line, two very different prizes they were playing for. But it just added to the drama. Yeah. I think as well when you look, when you look at the result for for Southampton. I mean, look of course before the game, yes, they're taking the point. Everyone would say that absolutely. When you're three one up going into the eighth minute or whatever it was, when you look at how the results then worked out the weekend from fourteenth place down, it was only Leicester that that actually won. Um, so I mean, those three points would have been huge for Southampton. Yeah. And again, you can just see that kind of bit of daylight at the bottom of the Premier League. Whereas again, that puts them within one win of actually getting out of the relegation zone. So, obviously for them, it's... Um, yeah, who knows, it might be a big point, but their form's definitely not showing that. Yeah, and it is frustrating because if you go back a few weeks, they pulled a result off like this as well against Tottenham. Do you remember they were 3-0 down and they came back and pulled it back to 3 each in the last minute? And you think, maybe there's something here, but then nothing happens again for about four weeks. And I would scream that this is very much arguably just the same. They've got an outstanding point that nobody would have given them at the beginning of the game. Probably not enough to kind of see them get you know back on to the track. Um, I've got to read this 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 stat out though that I, this I, I want to call this out because I think the two of them have probably been, been two players of the season. But Caio Saka and Gabriel Martinelli are the first two teammates aged 21 and under to record at least 20-plus goal involvements in a single Premier League season since Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney played together. How good are these two? Graham, I'll go with you first. Filth. Absolute filth. Let's face it, they are. Um, total class. Saka, obviously the... Um, England fans, right, rightfully mm-hmm. so, really excited. He is by by far and away probably their brightest talent next to um, Jude Bellingham. 
um, huge future for him. And yeah, him and Martinelli, I think it's a case of for as long as Arsenal can hold on to them both. And I think that can be another reason that winning the Premier League, for example, could be such a massive thing for them. If they don't, if they don't start winning trophies, is that then going to make it harder for you to retain your best players like those two? So yes, absolutely. I think for as long as they have those two players, I didn't know that stat. It's a great stat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows how vital they are and, and why as long as they have them, you know, Arsenal are always going to be sniffing around the top of the league. Yeah, I, I do believe, I think it was about two months ago, I think the two of them did sign a new contract um, to keep them at the club. So they, they're, they're definitely there for the future. Yeah, um, but you, you know you know what it's like with, yeah, with football with players these days? Contracts, do they mean, do they really, do they mean everything when it's yeah. like a, a ludicrous bid comes in and a player wants to leave and they go, nah. I'm not saying that's what the, what's going to happen. No. I'm, I'm just saying whether it's a year or two down the line, you don't know who's going to come, come looking for them. Yeah. Colin, I've got a question for you that um, one notable absentee from the Arsenal lineup has been in the last three weeks. That's William Saliba. Um, is, that, is that a coincidence, the, the, the results that they're pulling together uh, from his form at the start of the season? Or do you think it's a bit more than that? Um, I, I think it's a bit more than that. I mean, I, I think it's definitely, it definitely would have helped and they, they are missing him. Um, I, I wouldn't just put it in there. I, I think the there's been a nervousness around Arsenal. Um, I think we've seen it at Liverpool when Liverpool started to get back into the game. Um, a nervousness and a lack of game management, I think we, we said at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And then Southampton as well, when Southampton came out, went in the juggler um, after after they got the in, there was a nervousness at uh, Arsenal to try and get back in. You, you seen Zinchenko try to gather everybody around, um, you know, do a wee rally call and it, it take them a while to get get back into that so uh, I don't know how much he would have helped to be honest I think uh, I've said this time and time again it's a it's the mentality uh, Arsenal I think on the day they're good enough to to match Man City over the distance it's just been the the difference is that Man City have the stones they've they've got the muscle memory coming in and doing that Um, that I think has been the the personality side of the game for Arsenal I think I think again also We've talked about Arsenal squad depth before. The real, I think they do really lack mm-hmm. um, depth and quality. I mean, that's the last two or three games when, not saying they're terrible players by any means, but when you look at the other, for example, Man City and the players they're able to bring on Arsenal, bringing on Reese Nelson, Eddie and Keita, mm-hmm. that Reese Nelson, for example, is definitely a player they turn to when they're trying to, and he came on for Martinelli, for example. Now, I'm just saying. The yeah. calibre of player coming off from Martinelli is not the same coming on in Reese Nelson. And I think that's something Arsenal need to address whether they win the league or not. If they are going to mount title challenges season after season, they need to look at their quality and depth. That's something they absolutely see, need to look at. We, the, you're saying about Sacco and Martinelli potentially going, that'll come into their thinking. So I, I'm actually shocked. I didn't realise how young these boys were. I thought yeah. they were maybe around the 23, 24 mark, but if they're looking at where their career goes, they're going to look at what Arsenal's, where Arsenal see themselves. If they don't invest heavily in the squad and try and get that depth, why would you, if you're if you're Sacco and Martinelli, why would you not go to go abroad to a contender someday and sees themselves as a as a heavyweight? What Arsenal do in the transfer window will tell us do they see themselves as a heavyweight for next year? If they don't invest in it, we all know that. They see this as an outlier season and they'll just hope to punch above their weight again. And I'll definitely die in this how the signing a Trossard show for <laughs> me still, I'll always say that shows they're not an heavyweight elite level. That is not an elite level heavyweight signing. Don't care what anyone says. I think the one thing that obviously affected them before the game is that they lost Xhaka in, in the build-up. You know, they wouldn't have accounted for that and, and they had to change the team around. So um, I think, Colin, you hit the nail on the head. The one thing that worries me about Arsenal is one thing I didn't think about up until the last few months is their game management. The game management has actually been poor. And you think if all these teams that have won leagues over the years, they see games through, whether they win them 1-0 and they, you know, they, they fight dogged, the game management in the last three games alone has been quite shocking. Um, um, I, I think I've seen a stat as well, and I can't be, I'm sure, um, 
Arsenal have let in the second most goals to Bournemouth, sorry, to Nottingham Forest since February. That that's that's not great, you know, from a stat point of view. And I think, you know, we'll come to Man City later on, but um Arsenal's game management has obviously not been there. Um but Okay, cool. Um, obviously, it was, a, it was a cracking game for the neutral. Finished three each um, and set us up for the rest of the weekend. Um, the next game was the early game on the Saturday at Fulham Leeds. Um, Graham, what was your thoughts on that outcome? Not not surprised, to be honest. Uh, again, another one of my probably most critical um, things on this pod is Javi uh, Grazia and the bizarre kind of appointment of him. I think Leeds' last few results, specifically including this one, um, has highlighted just how how poor a, how poor an appointment it was. And I really think they're in they're in trouble. They've now conceded like thirteen goals in the last three games alone. Um, it's not it's not looking good. They they really are they really are in trouble. I think I've seen a stat, um, and it was that they've conceded 62 goals this season and only scored 41. That's not great when it comes to Premier League quality, um, especially considering and Leeds, is the, Leeds is a team that we associate with goals. You know, they're, they're, they're fluid attacking, sometimes they're end-to-end. Um, but the amount of goals they've shipped this season is absolutely chronic. Look, they've certainly got that, that kind of front three or four players that they've got is excellent, and I think... I see a lot of lead fans on the socials specifically, a lot of them say now, you know, even forget Jesse Marsh, the, the, mm-hmm. the sacking of Bielsa is still the biggest mistake they'll make in a long time. And it's, I mean, it's true, you go from Bielsa, my opinion, you take a step down to Jesse Marsh, mm-hmm. to go to Javi Grazia, such a strange one. Really, really bizarre. So, yeah, they'll, they'll only have themselves to blame if, if they do end up going down, to be honest. And right now, off the back of these three results, it's it's looking more likely. Yeah. Colin, um, a, a word on Fulham. That's the second win in a row now. They've kind of got themselves back on track a little bit without uh, Mitrovic. Um, you know, good display from them. Always a, always a guaranteed win for them to, uh, on Saturday. Aye, um, I, I've liked Fulham this year. Um, probably my only, um, probably my, my only criticism is how much they've relied on in Mitrovic, and there's not really been that that backup. But it's hard when you play that focal number nine. Yeah. Um, at any level in the Premier League, whether you're top six or the bottom ten, when you've got a main man number nine, it's hard to get the same quality sitting the bench and wait for said number nine to get injured or or whatever. Um, but no, I've liked Fulham this year. Um, maybe a bit premature, but I'm, I'm looking ahead to see what they do in the transfer window um, this year as well. Because I think we spoke um, a couple of weeks ago about Fulham and Brentford being in that category just behind Brighton. Mm-hmm. But Brighton maybe are, you know, do have a wee bit more about them. And I think um, if you know Fulham and Brentford want to kind of push on into realistically challenging for the top six, they do need a lot of investment while keeping their well keeping their, their core if you like um, and I think a hard part of that is bringing in another striker um, I don't know if they maybe try and change it up with you know getting somebody who can maybe play off of Mitrovic or play alongside or somebody even challenge him um, so I think that's be good to see what they do in the summer I think they will try and bring in another striker incidentally I think two key things for me I think one if you go back to Fulham at the beginning of the season Anybody asking them what would be a, a sensible achievement, they all would have said to stay in the league because they've been such a yo-yo team. They've actually done that and some this season, so I'm really, I'm really chuffed that they've actually done that. And I think Graham, you hit this pretty early as well, and when we started doing the podcast, is whether their manager will actually be there at the end of the season um, because he's obviously, as you know, you, you've always been a bit of a champion of him in terms of his quality that he has. He's done well with the players he's got, um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of a summer Fulham have, whether he's there or not. Yeah, I guess I've been a champion in the sense of he's clearly a decent manager, but yeah. not so in terms of his loyalty to if he's past clubs. <laughs> and I guess that's right. Is loyalty even a thing these days? Mm. Yeah, true. But I mean, <laughs> I think this must be the longest he's spent at a club, um, mm-hmm. nearing kind of two full seasons or whatever it's been. Uh, which is why I'm actually kind of surprised that clubs such as Leicester, Leeds, etc., are all, all bigger than Fulham. 
um, in all probably a cla- um, attractive jobs haven't haven't went for Marco Silver. I, I think he potentially would would leave. Um, Jump shot, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I think he would, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised because I do think he's he's obviously shown he's more than good enough and capable of um, doing well in, in the Premier League, and he's he's done that in abundance with with Fulham this season for sure. Good. Um, I'll move on to the next one. Um, surprising result for me, um, Palace versus Everton. Everton not been the greatest in terms of travellers this season and Palace have kind of turned on the last few games with uh, an absolute brickload of goals compared to where they were, um, you know, a few weeks back. But this one finished nil-nil. Um, there was a red card um, for Mason Holgate, um, which which obviously kind of worries them going into a defence, the defensive structure going forward. Um, but Dominic Calvert-Loom was back, which is probably a positive for them. Um, Graeme, what was your thoughts on that game? Well, first of all, again, I think the second time I've maybe done this in the pod, I'd just like to apologise for Palace fans. Um, they were on my coupon, they were even money this week, and they were the last team to do my coupon. So, um, I did I think it would be a really tight game, to be honest. I, I fancied Palace might scrape it. Got obviously very excited when they scored, but obviously it was ruled out um, for offside. Three yards offside, offside, wasn't it? I don't. Think, I don't think anyone can ever be absolutely bowled over and shocked when a Sean Dyche team keeps a clean sheet or yeah. it's a tight, close knit game. So, um, I think Palace, considering um, Super <coughs> Roy Hodgson's game in and whether that's three, uh, three wins and a draw out his first four games, is it's a no brainer. They're taking that every day of the week and they're well on their way to safety. But yeah, um, I guess I'm not overly shocked by the result. Um, and it's probably a decent point for everyone. Yeah, it's uh, typical. Roy Hodgson comes back out of retirement and gets manager of the month. But he's like, it's pretty much nailed on for him. Colin, um, uh, you know, obviously my thoughts on Everton, but every time I've called this out a couple of times, but every time they, they get a point, so does everybody else around them. You know, what, what's your thoughts on them? Are, do you still see them getting out of this, or are they very much in the quagmire? Did it? They're in the quagmire. I think it will be a, a narrow escape. Um, I, I, I do still think Hodgson, uh, no Hodgson, sorry, Dyke will keep them up. I think they are going to rely on taking points off the, the teams around them. Um, mm. So the next couple of games, I'm pretty sure they've got Newcastle next. Um, the the game after that's a big one, Leicester. Um, I don't think well, Leicester are out of the, out of the pictures yet and then you know, we're looking ahead to the end of the month, it's Wills and Bournemouth. Everton will be there in the last game of the season and they'll need a result. Out of all the teams I do fancy when it gets to push come to shove, I'd fancy Everton to get a result probably more than most um, when it comes to the... I, I don't know, I'm not really basing that on Everton's performance. I'm really basing this on Sean Dyche, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get proved wrong. Um <laughs> I find they'll na- narrowly escape the the championship. If memory served me right, they went into the final game of the season last year and won three two um, to stay up. So Aye. they've done it before. Just it's, a, it's a home game as well, you know, at Bournemouth and um, a, a home game against Bournemouth, um, who have been a bit up and down, a bit of yo-yo. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know how well they'll be at that point, but I think if it's um, if Bournemouth are in the dogfight at that point, I would fancy Everton in the last game of the season. To being in the, the quagmire, as you call it. I mean, that's, I've just had to giggle that. Uh, other than family guy popping into my head. Jamie said it. Jamie said it. I just repeated it. To make well, it I mean, apparently it's a scene. God, do I have go. to educate you pair on everything? Well, this is ridiculous. I, I don't know. I'm telling you, anyone, anyone. The English language here. God will be thinking. Giggity, giggity. <laughs> we never get this shite with Mason host, I tell you. <laughs> um, that'll bring us on to the next one. So, um, Colin, you, you called out Leicester. They, they finally got a win. Um, scraped it, went 1-0 down um, to Wolves, who have just all of a sudden started scoring goals. Um, but um, Leicester gets, so Dean Smith gets his first three points. It was a big three points for them, wasn't it? He's all laughed when I said, no what? I rate Dean Smith. I think he's a half-decent manager. I think he'll keep Leicester up. He's sitting giggled away, and now he's going to start looking like mugs. Um, big, big three points for Leicester. It, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just a 
just ahead of Everton, didn't they? Or oh, the eleven points, so tight down there. But it's, I think, I thought it was a strange, strange time to sack Rogers. But we all know there's maybe a two or three game where the teams get the new manager bounce a two or three game period. It's going to be called now, isn't it? Aye, they, they, <laughs> they might have timed it perfectly, to be honest. Um, you know, they've got Leeds next and then Everton. Um, it's, if you get four points there, I think, because the teams around them, um, they're all got to start taking points off each other. I think four points for the next next two games, eh, Leicester really changes the outlook. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't save them, but it puts them in a much better much better position. Um, they they had no Madison as well, which was a surprise. Um, I don't I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if he's going to be fit for the next game. Um, but there was no Harvey Barnes, who's been critical for them this season. But the talk is is that he's actually back for the next game. Um, Graham, do you still see Leicester staying down there, or do you see them getting out of this? Yeah, I think they'll stay down there. Um, I don't see them getting out with ease, so to speak. I think it'll still be a fight. Obviously, the next two games are huge. I think when you look at the kind of um, three number nines they started with, though, I mean, they've got good firepower when you when yeah. you had Fardy, uh, Iannaccio and Darko starting. I've always really liked Iannaccio. Something about him, I just think he is a really, really good player. Um, and... They've, they've certainly got enough about them. Yeah, a good win, especially when you're talking about lack of Madsen, etc. So um, I think they will. I think they'll stay up, yes, but um, I don't think it'll be a, a plain, plain sailing run. Yeah. Um, Wolves, disappointing for them, considering that they went ahead. But looking at the points now, they're, they're out of it, aren't they? They're, they're sitting on 34 points by now. They should be all right come the end of the season, do you think? No, I, I don't know. So. What, what do you think is the magic number this season? Which you think, think is a magic number? Forty is always a magic number, isn't it? They yeah. say has anyone ever went down with forty? Yeah, yeah. They, they, I think um, West Ham went down with forty. I think they were the first team to go down with forty points. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think thirty-seven is going to be the magic number. Um, Looking at Wolves, you know, the season. Next game, Palace at home. Um, in the remaining six games, they've got Villa at home. Who are in good form? They've got mm-hmm. Man U and Arsenal away. I mean, I'm just saying, if if we're saying six points, then it's there. I wouldn't say they're out it. Yeah, yet. certainly. I think anyone from West Ham down realistically, but I, I don't think West Ham are going to go down personally. But um, I think any still anything just from West Ham and 13th, but they do have a game in hand. Yeah, I I just think there's too there's too many teams below them that are probably playing worse than them at the moment. That's probably about. And you had the nail in the head, Jamie, there. They found their shooting boots. That's the last seven games they've scrolled in. Um, and there's mm-hmm. only been, I'm pretty sure there's only one. That's the second time in the seven games they've only scrolled ones. They've been scrolling twos with these. Um, the, the teams around them aren't they, aren't they scrolling as regular. So I think that'll, if they keep that absolutely magnificent trait at the bottom of the, mm-hmm. the table, then it'll be okay. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, another team that's down in the quagmire is Nottingham Forest. They were away to, yeah, to Liverpool. <laughs> they were away to Liverpool. Um, I'm going to call it an unlucky win, an unlucky loss, sorry for them, um, because they did get themselves back into the game twice unexpectedly. Um, even Nico Williams, you know, coming back to haunt Liverpool, um, you know, he's pretty much done nothing all season. He's not even had uh, many starts. Not only does he get a start at Anfield, he also gets himself a bloody goal. Um, but uh, what was your thoughts on the on the highlights of that game, Colin? It was quite a fun game to watch, wasn't it? For a neutral point of view, you, uh, your ass would have been making buttons, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's, it is unlucky for, for Nottingham Forest to, to go to, to go to Anfield. And I know Liverpool haven't been the most consistent against this season, but still Liverpool at Anfield yeah. to go and put in a performance like that and not even get a draw. Two goals at Anfield, not even get a draw. And they did play quite well, so they did uh, they took mm-hmm. their goals well. Um that is that is unlucky. And you know that that's the thing with, with these teams, you know, they do try and they play with a wee bit more freedom because they see this as a free hit and then maybe if they take that into their the, the next um, six games they, they might you know they might change something but I don't see them doing that and I don't see them getting out of the bottom three I think they'll stay in that bottom three um, and they will be joining uh, joining the, the rest of the jobbers in the championship 
Graham, um, a few words on Liverpool. Um, they've obviously found the shooting boots again. They've getting key players back um, and getting key side. You know, Diogo Jota as, as an example. He'd not scored in twelve months, and he's scored four in two games. <clears throat> um, how, how deadly is he at the moment? Yeah, he isn't. Look, you'd expect that Liverpool have what the biggest budget in the league. They have class squad, class players. Um, they've massively underachieved. It's been a shocking season for them. A shit show. Um, and I, I think they'll be. I mean, yeah, they're getting their shooting boots back on, but fifth or sixth is realistic, and it's a shocker. Let's face it. Um, so really, regardless how they finish, regardless how good they finish, they could win the remaining games five, six. Now, I don't think they're going to get into the top four. It's been a shambolic season. And in terms, what do you make of this? So I've I've seen a lot of pundits talking recently about this new role that Trent's got. Um, you know, he's he's playing as a wing back, but then when we have the ball, he moves into midfield and creates, you know, an additional midfielder. Um, and then from that, he, he's he's got four assists in the last three games. Is that so? The, the, the talk is now all over is that, you know, Trent might be looking at a new position in midfield going forward and Liverpool looking to bring in another right back. Do you think that's right for him or do you think. Um, I think if the num if the numbers are if the numbers are right, then it's right from. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's obviously um, folk at Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, exact, um, etc., who, who know a hell of a lot more about um, the intricacies of football than I do. And if they think that that's going to suit him and he's maybe stagnating a bit, I think it would be safe to say that in the last twelve to eighteen months, he's re- he's given for a fair amount of criticism. I really like Trent Alexander Arnold. I think he is. Um, still the best right back in the country when he's on his game he's absolutely unbelievable but if they're maybe think he's stagnating a bit he's his career's maybe going backwards and a new role can maybe help that and if we're talking about him him and getting his numbers up etc and yes of course i think that can only be a, a good thing for him but um I, I i think for liverpool it's important to have somebody like to have somebody like trent um, firing all cylinders, regardless. I think people need to get out of their head that the full-backs should just stand next to the centre-halves and clear the ball away and wait for the ball to come into their own half. That's, it's no 1960 anymore. Right? The game has gone far too much. The, the full-backs in the model for the top teams in the world, the, the onus is on the full-backs to join the attack and get the attack going. Um, it's a it's almost a bonus if they can defend it. It's pretty much 15, 20 years ago, we would see wingers track back and try and support. But that's, um, and there's, there's Jack's even agreeing with me uh, for Jamie's Sorry. end. Um, you know, there's obviously there, there is an element they need to be a, a baseline defender. Um, and I think he's he's no covered himself in glory. But his, you know, his biggest role in that Liverpool team is trying to get the ball forward and get going. And I think it's, I actually think that role with him playing through the the middle, that's what Liverpool have been lacking a wee bit. They, mm-hmm. they have they, Liverpool have focusing on what they've maybe done the last couple of years and having with we've no really seen them playing through the lines as much. We we tend to step in. It's actually added something that Liverpool haven't had. So I actually think yeah. it's it's probably mutual it's a mutual benefit with maybe re energising Trent and adding that 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 edge that Liverpool don't have. Yeah, I think I think for me, I think it's kind of too. We've a victim of our own success a little bit because Trent and Robertson they've been so successful over the last two three years in the role that they play. They kind of redefine the wing back role a little bit of how forward they get. The numbers alone is absolutely mental. Um, I think it was it the other week Andy Robertson um got an assist and that meant he has more assists than Eden Hazard got when he was at Chelsea. That's crazy when we think about how what quality of play Eden Hazard was. Um, so they do redefine it. Trent's ability to defend is not an issue. I think Trent's ability to track his man is probably more the bot that he gets caught up with. A lot of people run in behind him because he's probably focusing on the forward play a little bit. Um, I don't believe he becomes a shit defender overnight. I, I think it's just going through a stage, a, a stage of where he's kind of not redefining himself, but just kind of getting comfortable in what it's expected of him again. Um, but I think it's it's good. Graham said it. It's good when it works. I think Trent going into the fifth, going into the middle, and adding the fifth spot is fine. Um, but when it becomes a defensive, when you're up against a Man City, you kind of want your defenders to be on top game, and that's where 
the, the, the challenge will be. You're spot on with the concentration. But that's it's not his ability to to tackle or to time a challenge or to win a duel or whatever. It is a concentration, and I think we forget he's been about for a bit. He, he broke into the Liverpool team really early. He's only twenty four. Nineteen when he joined. He has his best years ahead of him. Um, mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is just a weapon. As he just has to have that get that spark again. But it's absolutely his concentration that lets him down. Cool. Okay. Um, uh, bring us on to the next one and arguably one of the stories of the weekend. Um, so uh, Newcastle 6, Spurs 1. Um, pretty much over, done and dusted within the first 20 minutes. Um, I don't think anybody's seen that score coming. I actually had Newcastle for a win on my coupon, but no way did I think they were going to be 5 0 up in 20 minutes. That was a mental score. Um, Game, what's your thoughts on that? Exactly what you've just said. It was mental. No one sees that. No one sees that coming. <laughs> um, I've uh, worked with a worked with a Newcastle one who called that a miracle earlier on, and has watched the highlights four or five times since. And obviously, you don't play them. There's nothing better than when your team has a result like that, and you watch it back and back. But listen, um, it was ludicrous to get rid of Conte and keep his assistant anyway. Um, I think after the Bournemouth result as well, the decision to now get Ryan Mason is the correct one. Um, yesterday was an embarrassment, um, and you've just got a feel for the Tottenham fans. You know, what I mean, you travel from London up to up to Newcastle to see your team um, and just capitulate. So I, I don't know. I've not heard it or read it, but I mean, it'd be a good gesture maybe to. One of those refund the fans for the the travelling fans, for example, because that was I mean it was embarrassing. But by the way, just just to say, Harry Kane, man, amazing. You're five 0 down after twenty minutes, five 0 at half time, and he still pops up with what is a class goal with a class finish. I mean, he's un he's unbelievable, man. He's so good. Um, just your team is playing so honking. Um, it's an embarrassment, um, but you know you still get yourself out of the pitch. You turn your man and you 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 drill it in the bottom corner. Like he's class. Colin, there's there's been a few excuses that I've that I've heard today for the Spurs performance, and one of them is um, there's no leaders. I kind of don't buy that when you've got an England captain, Denmark captain, France captain, you know, all in the first eleven. What do you think? kind of went wrong yesterday was it the tactics was it individuals was it just one of their games one of the games where it's a wee bit of it and there's leaders in that Spurs dressing room it's mm-hmm. just there's there's not a leadership if you, if you like there's not a unit that they, they aren't there's no cohesion right there and I don't think um, they turn over the managers and as Graham says uh, the wrong appointment and um, and managers uh, is helping that there's no you know, they, they aren't, I know it's cliche, but they aren't playing as a team and there's there's not, nothing really, you know, you can tell they, they don't really see what their purpose is in terms of their, their style of play or, you know, they, they, they need to go away in a fucking away day, man, go like um, a, a hill diving or something or like cave diving or something. Sorry, man, it's one of the weekend retreats they need and a, a big boot up the arse as well is what they need. Um, the, I mean, the, before we were speaking, I had to ask you who the, who the fuck this new guy was. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> um, he's just a Graham Murty of Spurs. Um, that's not going to help either. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just a, you know, a, it's, it's a team just absolutely bereft of confidence. No, no leadership at all. Um, uh, and that's that would come from the management. Um, you know, the, it is very difficult. We're saying these captains on the pitch is very difficult for them to take charge of a club's identity. They don't really have that. I'll give you a stat. So you love a stat, by the way. I love a stat. Two thousand and sixteen. Newcastle five, Tottenham one. Tottenham from that starting eleven, five of them played in yesterday's game. From the starting eleven for Newcastle, not a single person. If that doesn't show 
if that doesn't show, uh, shall we say, a stalemate and a stagnation in, in, in team development, I was quite shocked actually to read that there was five players in the last time they got beat five. They had to, deal, you know, they conceded five to Newcastle: Kane, Son, Davies, uh, Loris, and Dyer. All still key elements to that team that we that we seen yesterday. But yeah, they, they you know they've had a, they're having an absolute stinker. Um, I kind of feel sorry for the lad. I think it was was it last weekend? Um, was it Bournemouth? And um, they took off the lad Davinson Sanchez, who wasn't having a great game, but neither was the rest of them. And you could see the fans; they were venomous to him coming off, like it was all his fault. He did the same yesterday. He took off the lad saw, nineteen years old, and brought on Davison Sanchez. And the boy saw was getting absolutely venomously whistled at. You just think, God help whoever that was actually getting brought off. But it probably goes back to the manager's decisions on that team lineup. Pedro Porro, from the from the from the, 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 the clips I've seen, he was absolutely shocking. wasn't tracking anybody. Perisic, not really a tracker back as well. He's got he's one about going forward. They just set up all over the place for me. Um, I think even match of the day were highlighting people like Hoiberg that was actually just trotting back, you know, when when they've got seven Newcastle players running onto the the pit, onto the the opponent's box. A word on Newcastle, Graham. It, where does that fit into the season? Does that kind of top it off for them, or it, you know, is it just something that we've they've been threatening to do? Yeah, I think there's only one thing that will top it off is is you know just making sure they're in the top four. And I think I went like that yesterday pretty much seals the deal to yeah. be honest so look top four it's been a successful season and they can really build on that obviously it was really impressive that Willick pass to Isaac was sensational uh, what a finish as well by we've obviously so it, was, it, was, it was De Bruyne-esque wasn't it on the outside of the foot right whipped it right round it was unbelievable um, really was so um, and obviously we spoke about Isaac before and the, the guy's the guy really is deadly his goal rate mm-hmm. is going to be phenomenal He's going to be huge for them in the coming years. Um, so yeah, I think as long as they just they see it through, nothing stupid. Maintain dot four, which I think they pretty much did yesterday. Then what? What a great season, including a cup final. Yeah, they didn't win it, but I do think that put, sets them up for the next um, couple of seasons. You know, mm-hmm. making cup finals, Champions League, etc. I think it's really exciting time if you're a if you're a, a tune to an army. And 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 a touch on you. You obviously mentioned Willock's goal. I was probably more impressed with that that the, the Joe Willock pass. See the one he sent it through for Isaac on the outside of his boot. It was a quality yeah. touch. Yeah, that's what I just said. Is it not? No. Did sorry, that, I, was, I, did I, that I, say oh, the goal? Oh, sorry, no, I thought was, you meant I, his goal. Yeah. No, the 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 pass through Isaac was was sensational. Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. class. Total, total quality. Cool. Um, and then the 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 last game of the weekend was the the West Ham game. Um, games waving at me too. Was it that was West Ham? You forgot about that. Uh, Brentford Villa doesn't need spoke about it. Anyway. Oh, hey, <laughs> I totally forgot. I did, I did a Mason, didn't I? Wouldn't that happen, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, West Ham found the shooting boots now, aren't they? Hi, um, I'm going to jump in here there, Graham, because it's. Um, I, I want the first shot to speak about this game because you're only here because Bournemouth got beat. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I find Mason um, Mason really banged the drum about um, David Moyes being being the ma- one of the managers you want to have in the in the trenches when you're trying to get a late surge. Um, while I, I thought yeah, they would get that, I didn't see them getting four goals. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I, I thought that was especially the way Bournemouth have been playing. Now I've said, but I've said this again: Bournemouth of oh, tennis shackles off. They have been quite fun to watch. They've been going for games. Um, despite that, I didn't see West Ham getting four goals in them. Um, it's, it really did surprise me. They played well, um, turned their goals well. It's that's a that's a big big three points for them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Paquette and, and, and his goal was brilliant, that, that big leap and uh, you know for the second one. Um and, and on Bournemouth Graham, they, they seem to be they seem to be safe now, would you say? Or are they are they another Wolves for you? Well they're, they're thirty three points. They're definitely not safe. They're five points above the drop. They also have Southampton away in their next game. So I tell you what, if they go and beat I, Southampton I away yeah. <laughs> if they if they go and beat Southampton away, fine. They're safe. I'll eat my words. Gary Neal, Bournemouth, fair play. If they beat Southampton away, I'm sure that's probably going to do them. But 
if Southampton win, then again from a neutral perspective, just uh, it's just totting up the relegation race. To be honest, the neutral in me, I, I mean, the, as a fellow podder, I really want Graham to be wrong, um, and I want <laughs> Bournemouth to absolutely strut Southampton. But I want, I, I would love four or five teams to be going in all within a point of each other for the last day of the season. So I would love Southampton to win and hopefully make it a bit more exciting. <laughs> Just a fresh yeah. switcheroonie. Uno call it like that. Boom. That is one of those things. I mean, we talk about Bournemouth, but mm-hmm. thoroughly if Southampton get beat, I mean, they, I think a lot of people probably already have them down, to be honest. But look, if, I mean, if, that what a massive game. That'll be a good one. That'll be a good one to watch Thursday. Um mm-hmm. Thursday quarter day. I'll definitely be tuning into that. Be yourself Hampton top on? No. I'm a pot <laughs> play play up Pompey for God's sake. Wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> and just on the the, the Villa Brentford, um uh, as a finish one each. Um, to, from from what I seen, um, Brentford was much the better team, which kind of surprised me. I thought Villa would have went in there a lot more stronger and looked to have been lucky to come away with a draw. Um, Colin, what was your thoughts on that? I I was quite surprised by the the run of form that Villa been on, um, and and in Brentford have kind of dipped um, the the <coughs> last few weeks. Um, so I was surprised to see Brentford look so really aggressive and take the game so much to Villa and Villa not really combating it much. But it's that start that um, in a in a Emery he's like unbeaten in the last fifteen games mm-hmm. or something against English managers. So obviously Thomas <laughs> Frank um, has caught him off guard there. Um, it's a decent point for both of them. But um, oh yeah, I think it's the both. We we Villa's form Brentford probably would have taken a point. Um, we Villa going away on the road as well with a team round about them taking a point as well. I think it's you know they they're both probably happy with that. Um, or mm-hmm. would have been happy with it before the game. Yeah, I think if if Villa are going to be serious about a European run, then they've got bigger games coming up. Um, going good. That's that's what I was going to say yeah. exactly. Okay, see minus Wolves. See the the remaining games. They've got Fulham at home. Manu away, Tottenham at home, Liverpool away and Brighton mm-hmm. at home. I mean, that is quite literally every single team, one yeah. or two places. Alone. <laughs> I think, you know, if, if they continue in the form they're in, which has been unbelievable that they're in the top four since the turn of Christmas, they, I reckon they will get, they'll get fifth. I think fourth is just, just too, too big a reach for you, them now. You, you think they'll Manu. finish fifth? I think they could finish fifth if they, no, if no, they no, 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 you, did you say they will? Are you going on your hill? I, I, I'm not saying no. I'll not, not be going on my hill for that one. Yeah. He has to be in... Well, he's definitely in contention, but he, he's mashed out for manager of the year. I know it's he, he joined the... Joined, what was it? Just after, just before halfway through or whatever. Mm-hmm. He has to be manager of the year for me, or at least a strong, strong contender. Mm. I think if... I think it's if Ten Hag... I mean, it's hard don't even dare. Don't even dare. I mean, if he if he if he bags a double and finishes top four and all that, how can you he's say not, that's he's not? He's, he's not bagging a double. He kind of gets shredded what seven one. I bet see you can't get beat seven nil. Like and, that's mental. Aye, that's just well, you that can't get, can get beat seven nil in one game and, and not win like, <laughs> no, I think so, he'd be so, shortlisted if he won a if he won a if he won a double. He'll be shortlisted because he finished top four. But like it, it, that 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 embarrassment against Sevilla. I know we were coming on to a European game, but he come out and he said after that that was the worst game we played this season. Yet you've already lost seven nil in your league. What? That makes no sense at all. Like, it's one of those. If, I don't know if the I don't know if the thing is the draws done or whatever it is, the votes are made before the end of the season, but I'm, I'm just saying, if, if you win a double, I mean a fucking double, a cup double, and you, you finish top four and you get into the Champions League, I, I, I mean, He's, he's winning to... the same amount as what Liverpool have won this season. That's one cup. Yes, I'm counting the charity shield at that. I was back in my game there, man. I was like, is there being some sort of fucking friendly tournament in Dubai over Christmas? <laughs> the Darwin Nunes Cup we renamed at the beginning of the season. When <laughs> um, Emery gets mash out for the um, the Gallant Fuse um, manager. It'll be, look, it'll be Pep. It'll be Pep, I think. Likely Pep. 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 
No, it'll be Pep. Bags and that treble, man. Pep and Eddie. It'll be Pep and Eddie Howe in that order, Eddie, in my opinion. Of course, but Eddie Howe, top four Newcastle, a great cup final. But um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe a Howe ten hag Pep, but I would. I thought Pep will, will run away with it all day long. Let's face it. Although we we are just forgetting our debt. I've asked when the league. What the? F- I mean, what do we know? Really? What do we know, man? Let's <laughs> just go through the whole. Let's just go through the whole. It will be Dean Smith if he keeps playing. Gary O'Neill if he keeps bombing. See on the managers. Um, I, I kind of put some side aside to to kind of call it. We've, there's obviously a bit of a merry-go-round going on at the moment, and I think we've already touched on the Spurs managerial role. Um, the you know. The Spurs one looks as though it's been announced this evening that Ryan Mason's going to take over till the end of the season, which means that they're still interviewing people. I don't get really that at all. Um, but the, the other one is the Chelsea managerial situation. Um, I think what was more surprising for that is that Nagelsmann stepped away from talks and they pulled out of talks with Luis Enrique. That's arguably two of the best managers on the market right now. Um, in terms of world quality, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on that, Graham? That they could end up with Pochettino? I think Pochettino, for me, they've been as, I think they've been as well keeping Graham Potter, in mm-hmm. my honest opinion, until the end of the season, and then gave my gave my shot. Look, I, I get at the time, we're like, yeah, it was the right decision, but it's only the right decision if you're not then bringing Frank Lampard back and then going for Pochettino, who, by the way, has achieved as much in England yeah. as Graham Paul or Frank Lampard, which is nothing. So, look, wild. I, I do agree. I think Nagelsmann slightly overrated. I don't think he covered himself in glory at Bayern. I do like Luis Enrique. I think he mm-hmm. would have potentially been a really good fit for Chelsea. So, yeah, that's maybe a bit of a surprise. Um, who knows? He might end up at uh, Tottenham. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Pochettino, really, even at PSG, look, I get he, he won the league and all that in the Cup. I think I could win a League and Cup double at PSG, though, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you. So, I think it's a poor one. I, I wouldn't be over enamoured if I'm a Chelsea fan, to be honest. Yeah, it does scream, you know, the amount of superstars that, that they buy in in the last six months that they can't buy a superstar manager. That's that's the bit that, you know, as a, as a headline, if you like, it just stands out for me. Colin, what's your thoughts on it? I know, obviously, you've not got much affiliation with Chelsea, but in terms of this merry-go-round with the managerial situation, is there anybody that you thought they might have had a look at? Or I think I've said in the last few few weeks where I'm not surprised <laughs> that a big-name manager no taking up the man with Chelsea because these... These guys who were speaking about Enrique um, and uh, Hagelsman. Hagelsman, I always, I always <laughs> mispronounce it, man. Um, they're in the conversation for the best managers in the world, and you don't become the best managers in the world by going to an absolute basket case of a club. Um, mm. And that's what Chelsea are. It's, it's, it's not just your, your ability as a manager that's tested, it's your, your patience of the circus that goes around you and what's going on above you upstairs. And you, the, you, you can be flung under the bus at any time. The carpet can be pulled underneath, underneath your feet at any time. When you've got the pick of the litter, hey, any job going in the world, why would you take that, Chelsea? I'm not surprised. Um, so I don't realistically see them um, getting that. Uh, getting somebody that caliber. Um, I don't know. I, I think you might have mentioned this a few weeks ago, and it's kind of the more I thought about it, Jamie um, Zidane. I think mm-hmm. he, I could see him being in the conversation just because it's like obviously he's he's won big trophies at Real Madrid, mm-hmm. um, but he's probably not seen in that elite caliber. But I think um, Chelsea can be quite similar to Real Madrid, where it's. You know, it's the glamour and everything that goes around you. And he is, yeah. in terms of the, the managers on the market, and at that level, he's probably the most glamorous name. He's Ballon d'Or winner. He's one of the, the players of his generation. And he's he's a half-decent manager as well. So I wonder if that's maybe that's maybe a, a move for him. Um, I think he's probably got a wee bit less leeway than the other two. That Chelsea might appeal to him. Um, and that might be Chelsea's level. Graham, on the Tottenham, or did you, do Tottenham just pick up what Celtic, what sorry, what Chelsea don't take? I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't see it like that. <laughs> uh, no, I bet they don't. I, I think, um, I think 
specifically Enrique, I would be surprised if he took Tottenham. I think right now you've got Chelsea and Tottenham who are two clubs with clearly a lot of problems going on uh, inside. Right? Two very different um, projects as well. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know if it's so much like the Conde's outburst for one and then all this stuff in the media about um, guys getting ready and then their scants and the tunnels Changes and all that and, and uh, hit Chelsea. Like, I just mean, I, I don't know if any managers right now are really going to want to go that. So doesn't surprise me that Chelsea and I think Tottenham will be the same if they're going to end up with our third or fourth choice managers. Pochettino, if it is for Chelsea, definitely not their first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you... Um, Tottenham might go the same way. I'll be surprised if they got an Enrique, but I think it'd be a really great appointment for them. But then I thought Conte would be as well. Two names that uh, have been mentioned in, uh, for the Tottenham uh, shortlist are uh, Post from uh, Big Ange from Celtic and um, recently promoted Vincent Company. Would you be surprised to see any of those guys take you know take up the opportunity? Yeah, but. Call- I really would. Oh, sorry. Go no, on. no, sorry, um, go on. Well, do, do you know what? I think I, I would be surprised. Um, I honestly think, see it again and again, because I taught them the way they are, mm-hmm. um, it's stuff that's going on. But see, when you look at their squad and how talented he is, I honestly think Brendan Rodgers would do a really good job there. Um, people might shoot me down for that, but it's really hard to ignore how often people say what an amazing coach is. And I think that putting everything else aside, um, what's going on at Tottenham? I think he would potentially get a really good um, tune out of them. But ugh, what do I know? But my issue with Tottenham is kind of similar to Chelsea, where you, you know that is it's quite an off-putting job for a different reason for for Chelsea because there's a disparity for where Tottenham see themselves and where they mm-hmm. actually are. Um, I, I think they taught. I think Daniel, maybe unfair seeing saying Tottenham is a, is a club and an identity, but Daniel Levy sees himself as challenging for the Champions League and going realistically for, for the Premier League um, in the next couple of years. I, I think he's got that level of arrogance. So you've got to go for that level of manager. That level of manager doesn't see Tottenham in the same conversation. So it wouldn't surprise me if Tottenham do approach a couple of elite level managers and they do end up with a fourth or fifth pitch and, pitch and it might be Brendan Rodgers, I don't see Tottenham approaching them straight away because, again, that level of arrogance where they see themselves, they don't want to see, be seen to be taking somebody who's just led Leicester into the relegation zone mm-hmm. and then left. They, they'll look for a higher calibre in their eyes, but I think Graham is right. Going back to what we spoke about Tottenham, they need they need a bit of cohesion, they need an identity, they need, they need to coach, and Brendan Rodgers would do that. I think I, I, I never see I never see the draw of Brendan Rodgers, and I'm only, I can only obviously call that from uh, his, his time at Liverpool and what I've seen since. Um, I just I never see the appeal of the man at all. Um, but obviously, you know, as you say, players that work with him kind of call out to the, the traits that he has. I think as well, when people, I, I'll be honest, the hype around Vincent Company as well. I would be surprised when any when any of the bigger clubs come from. I personally think. Yeah, he's done a good job at Burnley, but I mean, when you look at what he did at Anderlecht, I mm-hmm. think it was very, very average, below average. Actually, mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. win anything three years at Anderlecht. Uh, finished at the Champions League two of those years as well. Like, I think the job he did, and actually, when he when he got got the job at Burnley, I thought, yeah, they're going to be pissed this season. But mm-hmm. okay, yeah, he's he's done well. He, he surprised me. He's got them playing really good yeah. football. But I really think that. The bigger clubs will be wanting to see what he does in the Premier League like, with yeah. Burnley before really moving for him. I think he, he, I think he still needs to prove himself yeah. at least one or two seasons. And I think he owes that to Burnley as well. Yeah. I think I think any neutral, you know, would want to see Vinny stay at Burnley going into the Premier League just to see how he gets on. But see if a team like Tottenham come knocking, I think it's too big of a team to ignore for him you know uh, I think he's destined to be you know sworn in at Manchester City at some point in his career just the same as Gerard is at Liverpool about 10 years from now but it'll be all about what his legacy is building into there um, I'm with you he, he, he was very very average or below average depending on what you would say when he was at Antlicht. Um he took a lot of the British people over there with him and he still got them with him at Burnley um, I think they just know the championship a little bit better than what they did excuse me the, the Belgian Foss League um, but 
he's I think he's he's got great relationships with people like Craig uh, Craig Bellamy and stuff. They're on his coaching team. I'd like to see how they get in within the time within the Premier League. Burnley have always got that danger of coming up and being the next Southampton, haven't they? Just sitting in that bottom three for the majority and then he loses all his stock. I'd be surprised if Tottenham did go for somebody like him, but it's just a name that's obviously banded around by the media because it's a that's a quick, easy punt yeah, at the moment. It's an easy, easy headline, yeah. isn't it? You, yeah. you mentioned possible role there, Jamie, and this might mm-hmm. be to to probably with the listeners. He, he's not in the conversation with it for the Tottenham job for me. Mm-hmm. I, I I think he he'll have a serious approach for whatever teams stay up, see the teams we're talking about in the dogfight. Um you know, I think we all agree that um, Sean Dyche might not be the Everton manager next year. I think he had to put the conversation for these types of clubs because there's whether um, people will argue how much has been aided by Rangers' performance, he, he's came up and he, he's done well. Right? There's no getting away from mm-hmm. that. And a good progressive style of football, I think he is in the conversation for the, the clubs in the bottom 10. Maybe not if he isn't for the summer. When somebody inevitably gets sacked um, 15 minutes into the first game, then it would maybe be somebody that they look to. I promise you, there's a guy in work that you'll know, Colin, and we had the same ah, conversation. Like, listen, yeah, we had the same, with the same conversation a week ago, and he swears that Postacoglu, who will be taking over from Pep because of the links of the, the City group, and I'm like, you're an absolute cloud nine. Um, but he was right. so, so serious about that. And I'm like, right, that's just mental. Like, you're full of crap. Aye, I am taking over for Ali McCoy's next yeah. season in Talksport yeah. as well. <laughs> just while we're at it. I went for a shite just to get out of the conversation. Just it was, I was like, this is terrible. I'm like, shots off. <laughs> I don't mind good banter, but come on. Like, I mean, I was doing a good job, but like, to say we could go to City after on the back of that. Nah, I'd be very, very uh, surprised at that one. Um, cool. So um, we've got a quick turnaround. We've got midweek games. These are the games that are um, that have been flung in because of the World Cup, obviously, that was on and it kind of took up the majority of the, the, the wintertime. Um, the, the standout fixture is the, the Manchester City-Arsenal game, which is on, I think it's... I think it's Wednesday night it's on, um, at 8 o'clock. So it's obviously a biggie for, for for what we've already been talking about. Let's get a couple of predictions in. Graham, what, what's your thoughts? Realistically. No Come on. I think, look, I think there will be, I think there'll be goals. Um, I, ju- I really don't think I don't think we're going to see a surprise. I think the league's going to be done by Wednesday because Man City are going to win. And I think they might win maybe 3 or 4 1. Colin? That's one of the ones. It's your head versus your heart, isn't it? Um, listen, uh, I, think, um, I think unless it's a draw, the, the, the league's done on Wednesday. If one team gets the three points, I, I see that three points re-energising Arsenal and they'll know that's last chance of that they need to go on a run and they've overcome the biggest hurdle. Man City, if they win, they'll choose continue doing what they're doing right now and choose absolutely steamrolling folk. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it is the title decider as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Like, yeah, and this is it. Arsenal now playing with pressure. Yeah. Look, they, they draw Anfield in essence, I know they went to an up, but still a good point. Any any point in Anfield's a good point. The league, they've shot themselves in the foot. We chucked them with a two-goal lead away at West Ham mm-hmm. and drawn it home at bottom of the table, Southampton. I mean, you win those games four extra points. You can go away to Man City and actually afford to lose. No pressure. You could have actually maybe seen Arsenal pulling off a result. It's the pressure, and we talked about how young their team is um, and how much they all want this. I think when you look at the last Liverpool's one thing, but let's include that game. When you look at that, those last three games, they've dropped six points. They yeah. chucked away two two goal leads. I think obviously it's shown that this team don't cope well under pressure, and I think that's why actually Man City might might just turn them over. Whereas if they'd went in without pressure, I, I could have really seen. You know, you would then think, yeah, they could they could cause a surprise here. But it's it's a different type of pressure and. You know, while Man City are massively favourites, I'm I'm not going to doubt that. There's a different type of pressure for 
stopping the team behind you for catching you and keeping that gap to actually going out and laying it all in the line and beating the team um, who your direct opponents for the title. It's almost like a cup final. It's a different type of mentality, which I think you, we will see a different Arsenal. I don't think, regardless of the Colin, result. I'm not going to this is the longest give me a score answer I've had from you. <laughs> I'm still waiting on you give me a score. Hold on. Will you give me a word? <laughs> Jamie Royals, old Jamie, to your conversation on Liverpool Royals is fucking nipping me in the bud. Jesus. Mason Tixpear would tell him. What's, what's the score? What's the score going to be? I'll talk about U turns in the league. What a turn of events in this podcast. Um, it won't be a same role. I'm going to go 2 1 Arsenal. Okay. I'm I'm with Graham. I'm 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 gonna go five one. I think they absolutely batter them. Um and then I think I think Arsenal lose points against Newcastle the game after. And then I think Chelsea turn it around and do do them as well. I think it'll end up being uh, a six point lead or something within the next two weeks or something. Um the the I am sure I read as well the other day that Arsenal, if they don't win the league, will be the the, the longest team serving at the top of the league that don't actually win the league. Um, the amount of days. So I think it goes back to the game management. I don't think you can game manage teams like City. So, yeah, I'm going to go 5 1. Haaland hat trick. Um, I think he'll just turn them on. I think Pep leaves them on for longer than 45 minutes this time just to see them off. Um, but as ever, guys, um, we, we've obviously ran through the games um, and we've got a quick prediction in for the next set of games. There will be another set of fixtures come by the time we next get our next pod in and hopefully we'll have Mason back, which um, means Colin then can get back on his perch and tell me to shut up. <laughs> but as ever, guys, thank you very much for tuning in and uh, we'll speak to you in a week time.